Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message encourages and inspires you and helps you on your journey to discover and follow the will of God. To obtain a typed outline of today's message, you can go to the show notes or details page of your podcast platform. And now, here's Steve Fulton, a special guest speaker from Grundy Mountain Mission School in Grundy, Virginia, bringing us a message called The Ministry of Hope. Well, I'm going to talk to you today about the ministry of hope, and if you'll indulge me, I will begin with a grandpa story. He said I had five five grandsons. Well, one of them lives down in Florida, in Tampa, and our daughter, Nikki, called us several years ago and said, Mom and Dad, you just have to hear what Asher just did. And she proceeded to tell me about waking up that morning. Maybe you've had one of these mornings where you just get up and suddenly are just overwhelmed with a feeling of inadequacy. you got more to do, not just today, but for many days to come on your plate. And the weight of the world is on you, and all kinds of problems have descended upon you, and you're just feeling powerless. And you just want to go back to bed and sleep it off, you know? And right in the middle of that mood, she said, little Asher, four years old at the time, broke into song on the other side of the house. Didn't know what I was going through, just... Started singing, holy, holy, holy. Now he's four years old. He messed up the next, the next line, okay? But listen to how he messed it up. Lord God on my team. She said, boy, I needed those words right then. Lord God Almighty on my team. And I want to talk to you about how as much as that sends a chill up my spine, There's a flip side to that that's just as true that I hope will send a chill up your spine today too as it does mine. And that is, Lord God Almighty is not only on my team, He invites me to be on His team. And that's a whole different side of the story. When I was a kid, I imagine you can figure out why looking at me, I was always last to be picked in the backyard football games. Now, if Bart Starr, most of you don't even know who that is, but Bart Starr was the Tom Brady of my day, okay? If Bart Starr showed up in our backyard football game and decided to be a captain picking his team, and he picked me first, oh my goodness. Well, folks, the Lord God Almighty has picked us to be on his team. And that should give us a chill and a sense of not just overwhelming joy, but a sense of empowerment from Him to do something meaningless and turn our lives into the adventure that it was meant to be. So I want to talk to you about the ministry of hope today, and first I'd like to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. We read these words. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the 
hope that you have. Now that verse starts with the word but. Anytime you read that, you probably should back up to see why he was interjecting a, a, a contrasting thought. So when you back up just a few words, it says, Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord and be prepared to give an answer when they ask you for the reason of your hope. Now I want you to think about the progression of those words today. You see, I believe that people in this world fall into one of two camps. The camp of fear or the camp of hope. And the way you get out of the camp of fear into the camp of hope, I believe Peter just gave us. He said, don't fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. And here's the bridge over into the other camp. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Be ready when asked to give a reason for your hope. Have your answer ready. Think about that progression for a minute. Everybody is in the camp of fear until they know Jesus Christ is their Lord and He becomes their Lord. And that's where the rubber meets the road for us every day, folks, is what or who is Lord of our lives. I believe that the word hope is a clue to that. Whatever your hope is resting on, whatever you're counting on every day, is what's Lord of your life. It is what drives you. And if we make something Lord of our life or put our hope in something that is not very sound, we're going to stay in the camp of fear. In fact, we're going to get more and more fearful because every time we try to put our hope in something, it crumbles. We live in a time, and I have to say for myself, as I look around at our culture and our society and the direction we're going as a nation, there are things that I thought would always be there. And they're not. <laughs> Rule of law. Equal justice under the law. Truth. Aunt Jemima's pancakes. I thought they'd always be there. Uncle Ben's converted rice. I mean, the Washington Redskins changed their name. And uh, one of my friends said, well, if they were that embarrassed about their name, why did they strike Redskins? They should have stricken Washington. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'll get serious again. Think of the things that you've grown up with that you just thought would be there. You could just count on these things. They're not. People disappoint us. Circumstances disappoint us. We are tempted to put our hope in the wrong things. And that's the way the devil works. He is scared to death of hope. And he will do anything he can to make sure we do not make Jesus the Lord or the hope what we really rely on in our life because he knows we will escape the camp of fear and we will be in the camp of hope. And the purpose, is in, in your bulletin there, the purpose for the ministry of hope is to be a changed person to the point that God's kingdom expands. They ask you where you got your hope. That's the purpose of the ministry of hope is to get noticed. To get noticed in a world full of fear in a world full of darkness. I'd like to show you a, a video here, just a moment, of some of our kids at Mountain Mission School. And I want you to take notice of just that look of hope. You can tell that these, these children, 
in their finding of Christ, in their finding of a place like Mountain Mission School, being rescued from fear, as we all have, have we not been rescued as children? They are grateful, they are full of joy, their eyes are lighted with hope. The purpose for the ministry of hope is to turn things around in people's lives so much that they can't help but be noticed, to the point that, as Peter says, they're going to be asking you, where did you get your hope? You remember when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount and he concluded it with that parable that our kids sang about for years, maybe still do, the wise man built his house upon the rock, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and who got rained on? Both of them, right? When you become a Christian, that doesn't mean the storms quit. What that means is you have a great builder and your house is built on the solid rock and when the storm comes and people whose homes are not built on the solid rock wash away, they want to know who your builder is. That's what we are to be doing, church, is the purpose for the ministry of hope is to attract the attention of the world because of who we are and how we react to the same hardships that they're going through. Mount Mission School is a classic example of that kind of change, as you just saw in those kids' lives. The devil is scared to death when that happens. He hates hope in Christ. It empowers people. It makes us indomitable. It makes us resilient. I think he will do anything he can to try to yank the carpet out from anybody that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand because I understand something. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He will do anything he can to take away the power of our ministry, which is the power of hope. That's what's visible to the world when we are people of hope. I, as a little side note here, something that's really helped me get a grip on sometimes the way the devil tries to play tricks on me. Um, I like to call it the definition of normal. I think it's one of his most subtle schemes. You know, Paul says we're not unaware of his schemes. It's a scheme. Our definition of normal, I fear, if we're not careful as human beings, is no problems. Normal is when everything's the way I like it and want it. And if you don't believe that's what we think subconsciously sometimes, why is it that our very first reaction when hardship comes is, why did this happen? Well, duh, we live on a fallen planet. If you read the Bible, you begin to realize that normal on a sin-laden planet where even nature is groaning about its condition is disease and hardship and injustice, wrongdoing. That's normal. James gives us some real insight when he says in James chapter 1, and the whole argument, there, the whole discussion in that section of James is, where do the hardships and the tests and the trials and the temptations come from? Certainly not from God, James says. And then he says this, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. What percentage of good and perfect gifts? Every. So let's think about this a minute. You got anything good in your life? Anything? God broke through normal and gave you that. 
See, when we start realizing that normal is what sin does to people, that's what normal is. And God breaks through normal to give us the good things we have. I believe that the devil sets us up for hopelessness by trying to get us convinced that things should be better than they are. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to that. I should be getting that. And we become frustrated and we become angry. In fact, most of the people you see on the news that are acting out, that's what their problem is. They're people of fear. They think it ought to be here and it's down here. The devil's gotten a hold of them. We need to remember that normal is down here. God brings us up here. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. I love the stories of these kids, but maybe my favorite one, at least the one that lifts my spirit a lot, is, is Ebenezer. You remember Ebenezer? He was the boy that came homeless, uh, age five, homeless, parents of Kenyan refugees when he came to Mountain Mission School. And did you catch what happened for this boy? As a result of graduating from Mountain Mission School, he received a full academic scholarship to Dartmouth. And just last year, graduated from Dartmouth. That's the kind of thing that gets your attention. That's when God takes a hopeless situation, a five-year-old kid on the streets of Washington, D.C., and somehow sends him through a path that he is a graduate of Dartmouth. How can that even happen? Only because the Lord God Almighty was on his team through partners that are on Lord God Almighty's team. That's how it happened. And you can't help but look at that story and go, wow. That's the purpose of the ministry of hope. Wow. Wow. Where did you get your hope, Peter says. That's the purpose. The plan for the ministry of hope, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's a verse you've read and heard many, many times, but I'd like you to peel it back a layer here and think about who wrote these words. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Who did write those words? You know who did? Saul of Tarsus wrote those words. Paul the Apostle wrote those words. Was there ever anybody that more dramatically lived exactly those words? Old man, new man, Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of the church, Paul, missionary to the Gentiles, which I would assume, unless you're of Jewish extraction here today, that's every single one of us. How did we find out about Jesus Christ all the way across the ocean? How did Christianity get to Winchester, Ohio? Well, if you trace it all the way back and how Christianity got into Western civilization, it primarily was the result of that one guy right there. That one guy. You talk about change. And that's why I say, if you want to see the plan of the ministry of hope, Paul's a good example of it. God loves to find the most unlikely. If the idea is to get attention, which is the purpose then let's find the most unlikely situation 
and turn it around. Saul of Tarsus. How about David and Goliath? How about Gideon and the Midianites? How about, oh, little town of Bethlehem, who's not even barely in Judah, so to speak? Why does God do that? It's a deliberate thing. I, I love what Paul said, and I'm paraphrasing him, but in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, remember who you were when you came to Christ. You weren't the bright and shining stars. You weren't the powerful and the noble. Not many wise, not many noble. God has chosen deliberately the foolish things of the world and the things that the world considers nothing to confound them and to show them His wisdom. So I say to you that the plan for the ministry of hopeless, let's go find a hopeless situation and turn it around. And that's what God does all the time. He picks the unlikely. Grundy. I was talking to somebody earlier. Who even knows where Grundy is? I mean, you do. Some of you went there. But you, you talk to anybody around here and ask them if they know where Grundy, Virginia is. They don't know where Grundy is. Nobody ever heard of Grundy. Grundy, those of you that have been there, tell me it's not true, is a hole in the rocks. I mean, the joke in Grundy is the sun only shines from 10 to 2. And it's just about right as you go down that winding mountain road into Grundy. We now have a Walmart, believe it or not. It's the eighth wonder of the world. Because when Walmart came to Grundy, this hole in the rocks, they said, where are we going to put a parking lot? Do you know what they did? They built a parking garage stacked with the store on top. Have you ever been to a Walmart? Did you have to take an escalator to get to it? I haven't. Okay, well, there you don't find many of them. But it's a little hole in the rocks is what Grundy is. And God picked Grundy to have a mountain mission school that next month will be 100 years old. Thousands of children who have stories just like the ones that you just saw. God does that on purpose. He picks the unlikely he picks the little guy. I love that part. He picks the Winchesters to do great things. It's a deliberate plan because it facilitates the purpose. The purpose is to get noticed. Then let's find, let's find a no-way situation. Don't you find yourself rooting for the underdog when you really don't care about one team or the other? But you do know that Team A is supposed to mop the floor with Team B. Don't you find yourself rooting for Team B? It's kind of like something inside you is saying, oh man, I'd love to see them take those swaggering no-goods down. Because if they can win, I think we're thinking, there's hope for me. If they can win, there's hope for me. And that's why God picks the little places and the no-ways. Because not only does it show off his power, there can be no questioning where the power came from. What else does it do? It builds hope. When we see the hopeless turned around, it builds our hope so that we become better at being more than conquerors. I think that's what that phrase means. When Paul says we are more than conquerors, I thought conquerors was about as big as it gets. I thought winning was the top of the pyramid. No, there's something more. 
And you know what it is? It's when you weren't supposed to win. It's when you weren't supposed to overcome. When you were the underdog. And now you didn't just conquer. You were more than a conqueror. God loves to do that because that's how hope grows. He picked a place like Grundy. He picked a man like Sam Hurley. Now you talk about unlikely. If you know anything about the history of Sam Hurley, the founder of Mount Mission School, at the age of 10, he was the man of the house trying to provide for a starving, and I mean literally starving, penniless family in Appalachia. As a teenager, he ended up working in the lumber mills, which was about as bad a place a teenage boy could grow up in as you can possibly imagine. These are the guys who are in a bar fight on Friday night drunk, shoot first, ask questions later, fight all the time, rough and tumble. You talk about rough, rough dudes. That's what Sam Hurley grew up in, and it was get tough or die. And he got tough. So tough, he got the nickname Bad Sam Hurley. He could beat up anybody in the lumber camp. He had a reputation for being able to shoot the eyes out of a gnat from 100 paces. If, you come, if, if any of you have been to Mount Mission School within the last few years, we have a history room that has some big panel stories on the walls about the life of Sam Hurley and how Mount Mission School came to pass. And one of those stories is very interesting. It seems that during this time he was in the lumber mills, his buddies, maybe they're out drinking, I don't know, but they, they dared him. They said, they said, Sam, Buffalo Bill's Wild West show is coming to Williamson, West Virginia, and that's not too far away. They said, we dare you to go to Buffalo Bill's Wild West show and challenge Buffalo Bill to a shooting contest in front of everybody. And I guess Sam had had a little alcohol and thought he could do anything. I don't know, because he said, I'm going to do that. And he went to Williamson, West Virginia, challenged Buffalo Bill to a shooting contest, and matched him shot for shot. Shot for shot. Now, we happen to know, as personal friends, the granddaughter of Sam Hurley. She swears he beat Buffalo Bill. I don't know. That's probably family folklore. But the point is, this was a rough dude. They were going to do a movie on his life. We were told when we first came on board at Mount Mission School, they were going to do a story on his life, a movie, and they even had picked out who would play the role of Sam Hurley, Johnny Cash. And it was the family that nixed the idea of having a movie because they did not want his checkered past splattered all over the screen. This was an unlikely person to become the founder of Mountain Mission School, I'm here to tell you, almost as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's story. But God brought into his life a godly woman named Jane Looney. And she taught him how to read and write. He was 22 years old and still didn't know how to read and write. Guess what they did a lot of reading of? Right there. And thus became that whole process. If any man is in Christ, the old is gone. Old Sam Hurley was gone. New Sam Hurley. With a burden for kids that grew up like he did. God blessed him, turned him into a businessman. With his own money, he started Grundy Academy in 1921. We'll be 100 years old next month. See, God looks for places on purpose that are unlikely to show off his power, but also that's what builds hope anyway. 
It's when we hear about the hopeless situations that God has turned around, like the ones that you heard. I love Ebenezer, too, because he says some great things. He says, you remember when he said, with all we've been given, there is no excuse not to succeed? Would to God that would be all of our attitudes. That is the attitude of hope. The attitude of hope says, look what God has brought me through. Look at the hopeless situation I was in. Look what he did. With everything we've been given, we rescued children. There's no excuse not to succeed. It's when we see God work the miracle in the unlikeliest of places that we gain hope. And that is on purpose. That is the plan, the ministry of hope. What about the power behind that ministry of hope? Turn to one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, Ephesians 3. In verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. This is the NIV, and, and that is a fine word. Immeasurably, he's able to do immeasurably more. But I still love the way the old King James reads. It's almost like the King James Translation Committee couldn't come up with enough hyperboles for this, uh, this power because they said, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. We can even imagine. Well, Mountain Mission School is another classic example of that kind of power at work. He's able to do abundantly more and exceeding abundantly more than we ask or can even imagine. It's one thing to have a God that can do things we ask. How about things we haven't even imagined yet? And I say Mount Mission School is a great example because if you could go back in a time machine to April of 1921, as Sam Hurley is starting Mountain, Mount Mission School, then Grundy Academy, with a handful of poor little mountain kids in a little wood shack, and you said to him, you're not going to believe what's going to happen, what God's going to do with this little school. And the best example of it is a girl that you met in the video. Do you remember several years ago the highly publicized um, human rights horror when Boko Haram abducted 276 Nigerian schoolgirls? Do you remember that story? You met one of them. Mercy and five other girls who were part of the escapees of that came to Mount Mission School. Now, imagine it's 1921 and you say to Sam Hurley, Sam, one of these days this little bitty thing, this little bitty school you're starting today is going to rescue children from across the globe abducted by Muslim terrorists in Nigeria. I think as a human being, Sam would say something like, well, I can't even imagine that. But as a man of faith, maybe these very words would come to his mind. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine. Can't imagine it? Never stopped God. Never stopped God. That's the power behind the plan, behind the purpose of the ministry of hope. 
And what's exciting, as my little Asher grandson said, Lord God Almighty is on my team. What's exciting is he's asked me to be on his team. And Paul talks about it. He says, that kind of power is available according to his power that is at work within us. Within us. I like to imagine the power of Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, as this giant reservoir of power the size of the universe with a very elaborate and intricate plumbing system that comes down to my faucet and yours. And the Lord God Almighty, that power, can come and flow through us to perform the ministry of hope, to transform things. We live in dark days. I think, in a, in a manner of speaking, folks, the circumstances we live in right now are golden opportunities for us to more than ever stand out as people of hope. And I would hope that we would do that. Mountain Mission School thanks you for your partnership. Mountain Mission School thanks the Lord that for a hundred years folks like you have kept our doors open and have expanded the ministry of hope that Lord God Almighty has given to us. But you know what? I want you to think of this. As you go from this place today, turn that faucet. Turn that faucet. Be people of hope. Thank you for listening to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and think others can benefit from it, we encourage you to share it on social media, subscribe to our podcast, or leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. You can also connect with us online at Bethlehem505.org or find us on Facebook. Please join us next time as we each seek to understand God's Word and follow His Son, Jesus Christ.